0: Getting ready to start here. Why don't you take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 8 for our scripture reading? Proverbs chapter 8. I will be reading from verse 12 to the end of the chapter, verse 36. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12 through verse 36. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12. I, wisdom, Dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mind and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His way, before His works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there." when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits, so that the waters would not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him rejoicing in his inhabited world and my delight was the sons of men now therefore listen to me my children who are blessed for blessed are those who keep my ways hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12 through verse 36. Now with your Bible there in your lap, Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. You should have the notes for this morning's sermon there in your bulletin, so you can follow along and fill in blanks as we go. So at this point in the letter of 1 Timothy, we are entering into the body of the letter. Remember, chapter 1 was basically all introduction, it was introductory information. And now we are entering into the body of the letter. In chapters 2 and 3, we have a series of four exhortations for Christians. First, we have the exhortation to pray in chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Then we have the exhortation to men. In verse 8, and then we have the exhortations for women in verses 9 through 15. And then in chapter 3, we have the exhortation about church leadership. And finally, we are given the purpose of these exhortations at the end of chapter 3 and verses 14 through 16. But today we are focused on the exhortation to pray, the priority of prayer. And before we get too far into uh, this message, we have to ask the question, what is prayer? What is prayer? In general, we can define prayer as speaking to a deity. But in particular, as Christians, we define prayer as communicating with the one true and living God. And prayer is nothing more than one half of the conversation that a believer has with God. Uh, On God's part of the conversation, we have his word. What he says comes to us in our Bibles. Our part of the conversation is called prayer prayer so prayer is nothing more than us talking to God Uh, you might be you might talk to God in response to something that he has said in his word when we read about the glory of God when we read about how he has worked we might respond to God in praise to him or thankfulness at other times we initiate the conversation We ask God for something. We express our thoughts and our feelings to God. Either way, prayer is nothing more than you talking to God. But in this act of communication, we must also include the fact that prayer is the communication of an inferior to the superior. Now that might be a crude way to put it, but it's nevertheless true. We are the inferior, communicating to the Supreme Superior, to God himself. We do not speak to God as if he is a child and we are the parent. And we do not speak to God as if we are his equal. I even react a little bit When I hear some people pray to God and they say, Daddy, there's just a reaction to me that says, I'm not sure that that reflects exactly who God is and who we are praying to. So we have to remember when we are speaking to God, we are speaking to him as we would speak to no other person because he is the supreme creator, controller, the sovereign of the universe. So let's complete our definition of prayer. Prayer is the believer communicating to the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God, communicating their thoughts, desires, feelings, needs, and requests. So that's what prayer is. That's that's what prayer is. It is nothing more and it is nothing less. You don't have to use eloquent words for God to pay attention to what you say. You really don't have to use words at all because one of the ministries that the Holy Spirit has in the life of the believer is to express the inexpressible. When you do not know how to pray, the Holy Spirit who is living in the believer knows exactly what is on your heart even though you cannot put it into words or even into a complete thought. So with all that in mind, why is it that we not only have a hard time making prayer a priority but we also have a hard time just praying. Why is that? Why is it so hard to prioritize prayer? Why is it so hard to pray? Is it because there's a lack of emphasis on prayer in the Bible? Does the Bible not speak about prayer? Well, that's not true because the word pray occurs some 374 times in the Bible and when you include other words related to prayer, it gets up into 400 and some times. So clearly, the Bible speaks about prayer, so that's not it. Do we not pray because there's some type of vagueness about whether the Bible commands us to pray or not, whether the Bible instructs us to pray? Well, no, that's not an excuse either because at least 31 times in the New Testament, prayer is given in some sense as a command. It is commanded. So if the difficulty with praying is not the lack of emphasis and not a lack of a command, why is it so hard for us to pray? Why is it so hard for us to prioritize prayer? I would suggest to you the reason that we do not pray, the reason that we do not prioritize prayer, is because we do not feel that we need to. That's why we don't. When we feel there is a need to pray, guess what we do? We pray. Frank Hamrick has been communicating messages about his granddaughter and the dire situation that she is in. You can feel the need to pray because no one else can do anything about that situation other than God. So there is, we, we feel the need to pray. And so why is it so often we don't feel the need to pray? You now We feel the need to pray in situations like that. We feel the need to pray in situations where clearly things are not in our control. But why it is in normal everyday life we don't feel the need to pray, I think there's three reasons that we should consider. These aren't the only three reasons, but these are the three that I've listed uh, for myself. Number one is ignorance. Number two is forgetfulness, and number three is just a total disregard. And so ignorance, are we ignorant of the fact that we have needs? Are we ignorant of the fact that we are weak? Well, Maybe that's true, but I would say the great majority in this church know those things. They are not ignorant of the fact that we are weak people. We are people that have needs. We are people who need to be cared for, so we're going to scratch ignorant ignorance off. So that only leaves two. We're either forgetful or we just totally disregard what we know. Sometimes we can be forgetful. We can be forgetful about who God is and who uh, we are because we don't take the time to slow down and think. We don't take the time to just pause and think about my circumstances about who I am, can I do anything about this, and about God, who can do everything about it. Sometimes we just forget, we just forget. But at other times, we just willfully disregard the fact. We don't think of ourselves as being weak. We don't think of ourselves as not able to handle this situation. And because of that, We disregard what God has said about wanting to care for us. We disregard what the Bible says about God's powerfulness and what he can do. So we just ignore God. Now, this problem with prayer is not a 21st century problem. It's not even a 20th century problem. It's been a problem for a long, long time. Uh, We, like the generations of Christians who have come before us, only pray when we feel the need to pray. So the problem is our, our feelings do not match the facts. Because the fact is we need prayer every day, all day long. That's the facts. We need God all the time. And so our feelings don't match the facts because we don't feel that we need God all the time but we do, our perceptions do not line up with the principles and points of the Bible. We need to pray because we need God in everything and he offers us this inexhaustible resource from which to draw, but only if we will humble ourselves and ask for help. Isn't that really one of the issues with prayer? the lack of humility on our part, the the lack of us wanting to ask for help. You know, a believer who does not feel that they need to pray is like a man looking for something. A man, a male, will drive around half the day before he asks somebody for directions. He will also go up and down every aisle in the grocery store three times before he asks for help. Don't ask me how I know that to be true. (laughs) But this is exactly what it's like when we don't feel the need to pray. We wander around the countryside hoping to end up where we need to go. We wander around a grocery store, and the off chance that we will just look at the thing that we came for, to not to pray, is to wander around in life having great needs, but not feeling that the greatness of our needs is something beyond us and that we need God's help. We disregard the fact that God has everything we need and wants to give it to us. So in our text this morning, it is going to tell us that we should pray, that we should make it a priority. It's going to tell us what to pray, who to pray for, and why to pray. And so let's look at our passage here. Let me read it, and then we're going to come back to verse 1. So this is 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles, and faith and truth. So let's go back to verse 1, and notice in your notes here we have the exur- exhortation to prayer. The exhortation to prayer. Uh, notice the beginning and the end of this verse. It says, therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made. For all men. So, those two parts, therefore, I exhort first of all and be made. That's what I want to focus on under this point here. So, the, we see here with the very first word, the word therefore, that to pray is connected to Timothy's task. To pray is connected to Timothy's task. The the word therefore shows a connection between this passage and the previous passage. So anytime you see therefore in your Bible, the question you want to ask is how does this passage relate to the previous passage? Because it does. Therefore, it's connecting to things. There is a need to pray. Timothy has a need to pray because of the hard, tough, and difficult task of not only living in a world that is actively opposing everything that is godly, but also because that even within the church, there are those who are opposing sound doctrine. Last week, we saw that Paul told Timothy he's going into combat. Prayer is needed because we're going into combat. You might know the saying, there is no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Why is that? Because in war, in the face of imminent danger, everybody prays. Everybody prays. Now, do we live in a world where Christianity is in combat? Absolutely, we do. There was a time in our nation that our citizens took seriously what God said. doesn't mean that they believed it, but they took it seriously. It was something to pay attention to, something to think about. But at least by the time we get into the early 20th century, there has been a steady decline in our nation, in our inclination towards God. And while there have been Small examples of revival, the decline has been steady and continual. We are now at the point in our nation where there is not just an indifference to God, but there is opposition to God. The most shocking thing about this indifference and opposition is not that it's among believers, but it is even among those who claim to be Christians This is clearly seen in the total disregard as to what the Bible clearly and unequivocally says is right and wrong. There are those who even claim to be Christians who take these and reverse them. So that what the Bible says is wrong is now right. And what the Bible says is right is now wrong. In a world like this, in a church like this, prayer... Is what we need. And the word therefore is connecting this prayer that Paul is talking about to the charge to Timothy to fight the good fight. Secondly, under this exhortation to prayer, I want us to see to pray is being emphasized, is being emphasized by Paul. He says, I exhort. I exhort. The word exhort here is the Greek word paracoleto. Uh, you might r- recognize that from John chapter 14 verse 16 where the holy spirit is called a helper that's the word parakletos or paraclete it's connected this is the basically the same word and this word can be used in several ways it can be used in a positive sense and a negative sense positively it can be to urge negatively it can be used to admonish. It can be used gently or strongly, encourage or exhort. But Paul is using this word here positively and strongly. He is urging. Uh, he is strongly urging. And so we have this emphatic desire of Paul. Paul is urging. He is putting an emphasis on the fact that prayers are to be made. He's urging Timothy to do this and to have the Ephesians do this. So in this exhortation to prayer, we see the emphasis that Paul is making on prayer. Thirdly, letter C, we see also in this exhortation is to make prayer a priority. Make prayer a priority. We see this in the words first of all. Uh, The word first can refer to first in an order or first of importance. And I think what we see here is both of those things happening. Prayer is to be the first thing done because it is the most important thing that can be done. There's lots of things that Timothy must do. And Paul is telling him to prioritize prayer. Paul's essentially saying to Timothy, before you start getting on this task of stopping these false teachers and correcting their false doctrine, what you need to do is pray. You need to pray. You know, our culture is a culture of action, activity, doing, busyness. Remember the Nike slogan? Just. Do it. Just do it. Get going and do it. There is sadly a lack of appreciation for contemplation, meditation, thought, and stillness. Even in church, we want to do. We don't want to sit and think, to meditate on what the scriptures say. We want action. The silence of stillness makes us uncomfortable. See? Told you. Anybody feel a little bit uncomfortable there? When it's just silent and it's quiet, we just want somebody to say something. We're not comfortable with silence. We're not comfortable with stillness. When we prioritize prayer, it not only gives you time to think, and presumably you are thinking about what you say to God, but it also gives you time to listen to what God has said in his word, to be still before him, to hear him. So Paul is emphasizing to Timothy the need to pray, first of all, First thing, most important thing, is to pray because prayer is the most important thing in life and in ministry. And so Paul goes on to say here to pray continually. That's the next point in your outline, to pray continually. I want you to notice two sets of words here. Uh, The first set is, I exhort, and then at the end of the verse, you see the two words, be made. I exhort, and then the two words, be made. Uh, To say, I exhort, is an incomplete thought. If I just say to you, I exhort, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything because the word exhort needs another word to complete its thought And in this case, the word be made completes its thought. I exhort you to make, to be made. The word here, be made, literally means to be made. It's in the present tense. And here's what you need to know about the present tense. It has the idea of continual, habitual, repeated action. So when Paul says, "I exhort these prayers to be made," he's saying to be made continually, habitually and repeatedly. It is an uh, action that is repetitious. We see the same type of language in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17, don't we? Do you, anybody remember that passage? It says, "Pray without ceasing." Same type of language that Paul is expressing here. Uh, So this word, to be made, not only indicates this continual uh, type of action, but it also indicates that the prayers that are made are going to be of benefit to the one praying. Even though you're not asking things for yourself, it's still to your benefit uh, to pray. So Paul is not just urging prayers to be made at one particular time, but that prayer should be continuously made, a habitual and uh, repeated activity. So the exhortation to pray is because the task at hand, because prayer is to be emphasized and to be prioritized, and because of that is to be done continually. And as we come to now this middle section of verse 1, we see the content of prayer the content of prayer look at verse one again therefore i exhort first of all now look at these words that supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men so what are these four things well supplications are nothing more than requests nothing more than just requests to god Prayers, while often is used as the generic term for praying to God, um, it can't be the generic term here because it's in a list. It's in this list of other terms related to this activity. So what's it talking about? If it's not talking about this generic sense of of praying, it it is talking about prayer as a solemn act of speaking to God. It's a solemn act of speaking to God. So you are to make requests and you are to solemnly speak to God. Number two we see, or letter C, intercessions. Uh, The word intercessions means standing before someone or joining yourself to another. And when we're talking about speaking to God, when we're talking about praying, you are going before God for someone other than yourself. That's what intercession is. Going before God for someone other than yourself. So we did that this morning as I prayed and I mentioned two particular people, Conway and Abby. We were interceding on their behalf before God. We were interceding. Uh, For them. And then finally, we have thanksgiving to give thanks to God, to be grateful to God. Uh, You will notice that these four words are listed here, but there's no specifics. It doesn't tell us what requests to make or what intercessions. Uh, to make here, it just lists these four words, and so we'll have to wait for a little bit to find out what what exactly is some of the things that will be prayed for. We'll get an indication of this in a little bit. Now, at the end of verse one, into the beginning of verse two, we see the scope of the prayer. So we have the exhortation to pray, we have the content of the prayer, and now Roman numeral number three, we have the scope of prayer. Look at the end of verse 1. It says, for all men, now verse 2, for kings and all who are in authority. The word for means on behalf of or for the sake of. That little three-letter word for, I know it carries a lot of meaning on behalf of or for the sake of it's a kind of substitutionary word something is done on the behalf or for the sake or for the benefit of another so prayer the prayers mentioned here in verse 1 are to be made for the sake of others and and who exactly are these other people we are to be praying for And here's really where the scope of the prayer comes in. Who's to be included in this prayer? It says, for all men and and for kings and all who are in authority. Uh, The word all here is important to understand. This little three letter word all appears six times in these seven verses. And this word is important because of the themes that it is connected to in this passage. Look at verse one. I exhort first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. It's connected to prayer. It's connected to prayer. Look at the end of verse two. That we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Reverence. It's connected to Christian living. We might even say sanctification. Look at verse 4. It's connected to salvation. It says, who, that's God, desires all men to be saved. So this all is connected to salvation. And finally, we see that it's connected to the atonement for sin. Verse 6, who gave himself a l- ransom for all. So, this is an important word. It's an important word. It occurs uh, many times in these verses. It's important because of the different doctrines it is connected to. And it's important because some people try to make it sound like it doesn't mean all. They say it means all kinds of men. Well, the reality is, all here. Is, it means that no one is excluded. When it says all men, it means no one is excluded. All is an expansive word, not a limiting word. If you want to limit who is to be prayed for, you would say to pray for some men, not all men. You can't use the word all to limit things to a few. So Paul is saying that there is no individual who is to be excluded from your prayers. Think about that one. Timothy, who would he be likely to exclude from his prayers? Well, we know the names of two of them, Hymenaeus and Alexander, and all these people who are false teachers and teaching false doctrine in the church. It can be difficult to pray for people who are difficult people. (laughs) But God says, through the apostle Paul, to pray for all men. And then he mentions two cases in particular. He says prayers are to be made for kings, And for all who are in prominent positions, all who are in authority, prominent positions. So here, Paul is specifying a particular group that should be prayed for because of the effect that they have on our everyday life. Uh, Prayers are to be especially made for these people. Uh, Kings are just simply those in political power. We would say president, we would say the governor. We would say the mayor of our city. These are in the category of kings. All who are in authority, those in prominent positions would be people who aren't in political office but who are still powerful in our our community. Those who are uh, in business, in the business world, uh, civic leaders and so on. So, Paul is saying that in general, all men are to be prayed for. Requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving are to be made for all men, but especially for those in political power and those who are in influential positions. Now, why is it so important to pray for all men and for those who are in these positions of power and influence? Look at the second part of verse two. We see the purpose. The purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer. For kings and all who are in authority, look here, it says, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. The mark of purpose is the four letter word that. That. It's telling us the purpose of Paul exhorting Timothy to pray, is that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Reverence. So the purpose here is related to everyday life. The purpose for prayer is related to everyday life. That's point B in your notes. The word life here is the word bios. We get the word biology from it. And it refers to our day-to-day lives, it refers to how you live your life. So there's two two words for life in the Greek language, zoe and bios. The word zoe has the idea of being alive, you're alive. The word bios has the idea of living life, how you live. So Uh, This purpose is for everyday life. It's for how you live your life, and it is to be lived in a quiet and peaceable way. Quiet and peaceable. Synonyms for tranquility. They're kind of hard to separate from each other. But we see here that the decisions that people make around us, especially those in power, especially those in influence, has a direct effect on on whether our life is easy or hard, on whether we can live a quiet and peaceable life. And when it's talking about quiet and peaceable here, it's not talking about comfortable without difficulty. It's talking about how to live for the Lord, how you can minister for the Lord, that you can minister and serve the Lord, worship the Lord without being uh, oppressed, without... These people adding difficulty to how you do that. We still live in a place where faithfully serving the Lord, where openly worshiping the Lord is not opposed by our government. Even our own society, in a way, caters to us as a church. Do you realize that? Our own society caters to us as a church. Uh, Think about it. How many restaurants in Rocky Mount are dependent on the business they receive from churchgoers on Sunday afternoon? How many restaurants? Every restaurant that's open on Sunday afternoon stakes a claim that they're going to get a lot of business from people who go to church coming in on Sunday afternoon. And if this is going to continue, if this kind of thing is going to continue, don't want to put any importance on going out to eat on Sunday afternoons. But if this kind of thing, this openness, this ease with which we can come and worship the Lord and re-engage with our society, if this kind of openness is going to continue, we need to pray. And we need to pray for our community and for our leaders. And then we see this verse ends with how to live how to live everyday life. It says in, or better translation would be with, all godliness and all reverence. Godliness refers to a Godwardness, how you live towards God, while reverence or dignity refers to how you live towards man. The tranquility of our lives both externally and internally, has a great deal to do with how we live towards God and with those around us. This phrase, with all godliness and all reference, is in a way a description of what it means to live a quiet and peaceable life. To live a quiet and peaceable life means you live right towards God and you live right towards those around you. By the way, just let me give you an Old Testament connection here. The Ten Commandments. The first four, right? They're about one's relationship to God. All the rest are about how do you relate to your fellow man. They both matter. Your vertical relationship, godliness, and your horizontal relationships, dignity towards those around you. Do we need to influence and change people? Do we need to have an influence on our leaders? The answer is yes. The number one way to do this is not activism, is not the ballot box. The number one way to do this is prayer, is prayer. Well, I'm going to stop there, so we're right at point five in our uh, notes. I need to give us some time to, uh, for our, our communion uh, service. So let me just close with these uh, thoughts. Paul is emphasizing prayer. He's exhorting Timothy to pray. As he takes on this task of correcting these false teachers and those who are, who are in opposition to sound doctrine. And he says to Timothy, before you do anything, the first thing that should happen is that you pray. We are to prioritize prayer. Prioritize prayer. Why don't we do that? Because we don't know how much we need prayer. And we don't realize what prayer Can do. When we pray, it makes a difference. God hears and God listens to us, so we should prioritize prayer. Furthermore, prayer has a direct effect on how we live our everyday lives, it directly affects it. You say, I don't see that. I don't see that. The Bible says, It's there. The Bible says it's there. And when we do this, when we do this, it affects our godliness, our relationship to God, and our relationship to the men and women around us in our community. So we need to prioritize our prayer. I'm going to pray right now, and uh, as we pray, Uh, We're going to get ready to have our uh, communion service. Father, we give you thanks for your grace in our lives. We uh, see your word and we see how your servant, your apostle Paul, communicates to uh, this young man, Timothy, and emphasizes to him the importance of prayer. And Lord, we even look at that and we see how a man who is older in the Lord, who is more mature in the Lord, understands how important prayer is. And he is is expressing that to his young protege. That he tells Timothy, this is something you need to major on. This is something you need to prioritize. And Lord, as we see this in your word, help us to prioritize prayer in our life. Help us to understand our great need, our daily need for you. And help us to understand how great you are and the things that you can do and the things that you want to do for us, in us, And through us. And so we give you thanks today for these words, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.